good morning, everyone. How many of you are sitting in a different seat than you normally sit in? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you met the people sitting in your regular seat and you told them, hey, next week I'm going to get here a little bit earlier. We're going to compete for this spot. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. What's up, Freddie? And say hello. How are you? It's good to see all of you. Good to see all of you. So we're in this series called Transformation, How God Changes Us. And the end of that, and you have the outline in front of you, so if you want to grab an outline and, and take some notes, but the end of it is community accountability. Everything God wants to do inside you does not culminate in you. It doesn't, it's finish line. It's not just your own uh, call home to heaven. Your finish line is to take as many people with you as possible. Before I get started in that message, tomorrow is Veterans Day. All you who are veterans include Vic, who was up here. Vic, was, Vic, raise your hand. Vic was playing this guitar. Look what he put on his guitar. I salute you, all those who served. He's an Army vet. All the vets, stand up. If you're a veteran, stand up. Let them know how much you're grateful for them. Thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have this privilege to come in freedom to serve God as Christians because what you have done to secure this nation. And, uh, and we have all this freedom, so thank you for your service. Thank you. If you're still serving, one day we'll be applauding you too, so I'm so grateful. You know, for look at this up here. Every one of these baskets represents a home, a foster family, who have opened up their home to helping to rescue children. And, uh, and they each represent a meal, a $50 gift basket. We put Publix on the very front. We just want to tell Publix, thank you for everything that you've done. And we've got them divided out by, by the Publix locations. And so uh, in just a little bit, uh, Jesse's going to come up and share with you about how we're going to distribute. But this is you. This right here is your generosity to all of these families who are reaching out to all of our community, and I cannot tell you thank you enough. So let's get into the message. God is transforming us. And the more he transforms us into his image, into his heart, his heart is that no one is abandoned, no one is left out, no one is lost. God wants everyone saved, amen? And so he's called us part of his body, and he says, you go and I'll go with you. But we need to go rescue more and more people. And today we're going to celebrate what that looks like in the lives of families who are reaching out to hurting children in our community. But that's not the whole message. The message today is what God thinks about you because we're all orphans in God's sight. We were all abandoned. We were all lost. We all had no home, no place. And God rescued us and called us his children and all we're doing is welcoming more into that family. And so, if you've been tracking with us, we've been going down and we've been looking at what is it like because of the verse of Scripture that says, you know, God's like, I'm not going to leave you. Paul said, I started this church in Galatians, and he said, I, you know, I'm not going to leave you until Christ is formed in you. And he said, and it was painful. If you go, do we have that verse of Scripture? Galatians chapter 4. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. 
How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. What Paul is saying is, I, I went to you know, Galatia and I started this church. And, and you started coming into the family of God. And we formed one family. And then I left and went and planted some other churches. And then I've heard that some people are abandoning. You're leaving. Christ is no longer formed in you. You're chasing after other things. And he said, so I'm perplexed about that. And I'm going to come back. And it's painful to me because, you know, God really wants to help you become more like him and then reach out to a community that needs to know him. And so what does that look like? And we've said there's this progression on how does God move me from my current state to my ideal state. And we brought up this chart. And so this is the chart. And there's some lines. And so if you want to write down one through five, those are the fill in the blanks. And so you can fill in the blank on the outline. But it begins with what the Hebrew writer called a Sabbath rest. That if you're not spending time alone with God, then you're not going to get to the place of peace and rest and comfort you're longing for. Because that's where God meets us. You've heard those passages, be still and know that I am God. When I was young, uh, I was 20 years old, about to turn 21, uh, met the love of my life. We'd been dating for three years. We just celebrated our 38th anniversary two days ago. That's all my wife's credit. It is all my wife's credit. Maybe not all, but 99%. And so... We were about to get married. I ran away from where I was living, moved down to this little place called Vero Beach. And I was lost. That's just, in, in every way, I was lost. And I made my way to this little A-frame church. And my grandfather was there. And uh, he, you know, come and stay at my house until your, you know, your apartment gets set up. And so I was with him for a couple of weeks. And while I was there at my grandparents' house, he set me in a room, and there was nothing in the room. There was a bed, uh, a little dresser with empty drawers, and sitting on top of it was his family Bible. One of those, you remember the old traveling salesman who would go around and sell family Bibles? Those were honking things, man. I mean, it was, it was huge. And, and, and I was lonely and, and hurting. And so I grabbed that big old family Bible and I set it on the bed and I opened it up and it did not make sense to me. It was written in the King James language and although it's a beautiful language, it made no sense to me. Hither thou where unto on the morrow we shall go and buy and sell and get gain. And I'm like, who talks like that? What are you, what are you talking about? And I flipped and flipped and flipped until I got so frustrated I just shut the Bible and then when I left and went painting, and I can remember riding down the road, and I thought, what am I going to do? But in this little old church, there was a lawyer named Bill Rakes, and there was a man who owned a construction company named Tim Grimm. And the two of them came up to me, and they met me. We started talking. I told them who I was. I told them I was about to get married. And then I told them, guys, here's the truth. I am not a good man. I don't even know how to be a man. I've got secrets, and I'm about to get married. And those two men, God bless them, partnered with me 
and showed me what it looked like to be a spiritual man. We started with this book written by J. Oswald Sanders called Spiritual Leadership. And in it, after you get down to about page 20 or 30, somewhere near the front of the book, it had a list of about 30, 32 questions. And it said, you want to find out if you're a spiritual leader, if you're even a leader, if you're a man? You know, and by, by if you, if, man or woman, if you know how to lead people in a positive direction, ask yourself these questions. And I read those questions and it, it, it made me sick. And I thought, my wife has no idea what she's getting into. She is about to trust her life, change her name. And she's about to marry a man who's not trustworthy. So she'll tell you we had to have some hard conversations, painful conversations. Before the honeymoon is over, maybe we should end this conversations. And God bless my wife. God bless Tim and Bill. And I started carving out quiet time with God. And he's been so faithful to me. Any of you remember where you were when God took hold of your heart? When God began to call you home? When the person you were, you weren't comfortable being that person anymore? And you knew, I need to change. I need transformation. I need God. He's so gentle. He's so faithful. And here's the process. It begins with resting in the Lord. Just if, if you are not spending time with God, you're missing the power of life. The power of transformation. You have something you want to change in your life? There is no substitute for God. You might chase after a lot of things. I'm just telling you, they're all dead in roads until you surrender to the Lord. So it starts with the Sabbath rest. And then the more you learn this reflective reading, the more you learn, the more you realize, whoo, I do have a lot to change. And it leads you to this place of repentance. And I need to change, Lord God. I am not what I read. Help me to transform. Help me to change. Which leads me to that prayer that just stay on my knees okay God if I'm going to do this it's only going to be because of you and as you emerge from that place of prayer then you say okay I'm going to learn how to give God my whole heart and I, I want to be totally submissive I, I want to be a good steward of everything my money my marriage my job my friendships my word I want, I want to be someone that, can be, that is trustworthy, that can be counted on, that wants to serve other people, which moves me out into the community. And so that's the transformation. So when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus, before he did anything, he spent time with God. And in the Old Testament, you read about the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In the New Testament, when you follow the pattern of Jesus' life, it was less about a day and more about when he needed God to pour into him. He went to the mountains. He went to the wilderness and spent time with God. He let God pour into him before he tried to pour into anybody else. 
Before he started his ministry, 40 days with God. Before he named his apostles, all that time with God. Before he had a very busy day and went and healed a bunch of people, all night in prayer with God. Before he went to the cross, Garden of Gethsemane, sweat, drops of blood pouring his heart out to God before he was your Lord and Savior and rescued us from sin and death. And then it was time for him to leave. See, the goal is home. The goal is heaven. And so God wants to transform your life because he wants you with him eternally. And then he says, before you come, bring three other people with you. Bring your neighbors with you. Bring your family with you. Bring your enemies with you. Bring that boss of yours with you. I'm going to give him a different name and I'm going to change everything in heaven. You don't have to be next door neighbors. But bring them to heaven. So, home is the goal. And so Jesus had that last meal with them, which we're going to share here in just a minute. And then Jesus said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is John 14, verse 1. You believe in God? He's like, believe in me. Man, in my father's house, there are a lot of rooms. And if it weren't true, I'd have told you. And I'm about to leave and I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you so that where I am, you can be also. And after that, they started getting real nervous and real scared. And Thomas is like, where are you going? We, we don't even know how to get to where you're going. Where is your home? Where is heaven? What are you talking about? We don't want you to leave. And Jesus said, Thomas, it's okay. listen, I am the way, the and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. You, I, 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 you can trust me. And they're still nervous about it. They're still scared about it. So in verse 18, Jesus says this. I will not abandon you. Say these next two words. As orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. You, you don't have to. Listen. I, I'm, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. But he's like, I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you also will live. I'm looking for life. I want to live. Not just breathe every day and go to work being miserable. I want life. Because this world can rob you of it. Amen? Jesus is like, man, I'm here to bring, I'm, I want to bring life to your soul. I want to bring peace to your soul. I want you to experience the freedom and the goodness of God. And I'm not, today is Orphan Sunday. And it's all about God calling you home. You remember what it was like to not have a place of belonging? You remember what it was like to feel lost? To feel like you're not at peace? You don't have a place where you're valued? where people can know who you really are and accept you the way you are and will continue partnering with you until you become everything you want to be? Man, have you seen the faces of little children when they had no home and they finally were invited into family? Home is where the heart is. Oh, 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 I have traveled so 
That's a good video, isn't it? Home. Home. God is calling us home. You have a place to belong. And I'm so grateful that on this Orphan Sunday, we get to welcome more people into the family of God, into a home, and that we get to celebrate these families that don't even go to this church. We, really, all we're doing is just saying, thank you for pouring your life into all of these people, and we get to celebrate that. So I've asked Jessie to come up and, uh, and be here. Really, she and her husband, Taryn, opened up this window of opportunity for us at this church. They now have adopted, and, and you have how many total children? Seven forever children. Seven <laughs> for all their children. Yeah. And they probably, yep, <laughs> yep. And uh, they probably... You know, had, I don't know, 70 kids fostered, you know, a whole bunch. And once we started just looking at what, what, what is that world like? What is, it, what is that? We saw so much in this community that we could not turn our back on. And God was inviting us into that. So people are like, how did you get into this? We call it the Lift Ministry. 
and, and into this foster care. Well, God was working there, and he called us into it, and we just started partnering with something that he was involved in. James told us it was going to be that way. There's no more pure religion than to reach after the widows and orphans, right? And so he's like, run after that. Partner with me in that. And we have, and God has blessed us so much. But with this message with transformation, Jesse, just start here. You know, what did, when you hear, okay, here's the progression, is that where it ends? What is, how did you see all that? So I was, I'm going to tell my testimony. I was raised in a family that ran after the hurting. Um, my parents are amazing examples. They live out um, step five, go into the world and make disciples every single day. Um, and so I had grown up and really that was always like I did my checklist, one, two, three, four, and now we're going to make disciples. And there was lots of pain and, and hardship in that, not to say it was easy, but that definitely was the way I was raised. And that's what had gotten me um, to where Taryn and I started fostering when we were 23 um, or two. And so that was just something we had always been on a path to become um, fishermen of the hurting and the lost and to go after people. And so, and we always, we love children. And so that was just a great way for us to get involved. And that journey, um, I had always thought it was a step checklist. And I like a good checklist because I like to complete things and I like to mark them off. And so as we started fostering, um, just on my spiritual journey, I was watching all these children and we were having to reprocess trauma that they had gone through over and over again because they would get a little older and it would mean a little something new and we'd have to reprocess. And I was so exhausted. I was like, we've checked this trauma off your list. We have processed this. Why are we back here? And then we were just talking and we're like, we're back here because it means something new today. They've experienced life more. So what they went through, we have to go back through and recover and heal from. And it's okay. It's okay that we're reprocessing. In fact, we need to reprocess over and over again so that they are healing as we grow and, and learn more. We need to reprocess and learn what that means in our relationship with the Lord and what that means for us and so um, as individuals. And so that really changed how I looked at my spiritual walk with God. And so as we are fostering, um, we I had always been able to see God. I don't because of the way my family lived and just the faith that I had was that I can see him even when I'm angry, even when there's things that don't make sense. I'd always seen him very clearly, or I trusted that if I hold on just a little longer, keep looking out the window, he's going to show up in a big way. And I trusted, I trusted, I trusted. So we took a child in, um, and it didn't go that way. I didn't see him. I lost him. And I couldn't believe that he was there. And it rocked me. And I had to go back to what do I do with our kids? What would I do? Um, <laughs> I didn't see him. And I, he went, he left us, and then he came back, and he was hurt more. He went, and he came back, and he was hurt more. And I, each time I had released him, I had said, God, I know you have this. I'm just, I don't see it, but I trust you. And then we landed with, he's not there. This kid is abandoned. He has not come back and rescued him. He is an orphan. And so it brought me to this, like, I'm done. Like, I, you have abandoned this child. If you will leave him, you will leave me. And I don't see you. 
And so it was very hard. And so then I went back to, what do you do? Because my whole life is serving God. My whole life, not my whole life, I wish it was my whole life. But, I mean, so much of what I do is because of God's calling on my life. And so if he's not there, then what do I do now? And so it really rocked me. And so then we went back to, how do I deal with my kids' trauma? We go back to the basics. So when we go back to the basics, that looks like we are feeding them regularly. I know that, like, intentionally, like, they don't get hungry. They don't, we make sure all their basic needs are met so that they don't feel unsafe ever. And then we can reprocess the the trauma with the new information. Are y'all tracking? I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways. Um, So that, I was like, that's what I'm going to have to do. If I'm going to pull figure this out. I have to start back with the basics. And so I realized my whole life I had made this a checklist of things I had to do. And not that I wasn't in the word and praying and and totally convicted about new things, but it was more like I felt like I had done those things and it was over. And so I had a lot of shame because I felt like I had to start back over with God. And one of the things we say to our kids is there's no shame unless you stay the same. And so I was like, okay, there's no shame unless I wallow right here and stop. So I have to get back up. And where do I start? I start back at the beginning. So let's show that graph. So we've, we've made this loop coming back. Yes. So speak to that about for all of us because I've done the same thing, right? We went, we got to a certain place. We thought, man, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Only to have everything you know, knocked out. And you're like, wow, all the things that I thought I knew, I don't know. Right. The place that I thought I was with God, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so this has probably happened with me numerous times, right? right? So would yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so the cycle goes back to where do I start? I start with abiding with God. And I'm going to tell you even, I had been on the cycle before, but it had never been like at, at that level. And I was so rocked by the level, and then I realized that's because I am older. It means more. He's growing me. He's strengthening me. And so I have to then start back over. And I started with reflective prayer, a reading, and active repentance and prayer. And it was amazing because there were new things that I was learning. And not that I thought I couldn't learn more, but it meant different things to me, things I had known my whole life. It was a different level. And so I was so thankful um, for me, just how it was able to see how God would rescue me continuously, that he didn't leave me there. He didn't abandon me. He hasn't abandoned him. I don't have a nice bow on that story yet. Um, And I had to just choose really to trust God. And I sat there and it was, okay, I either have the choice to give up or to say, I trust you. And I think because I had always seen God in more tangible ways than I feel like most people get the opportunity to because of the way we were brought up, um, this verse meant something new to me. So for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. And so when you don't see God, start back at the beginning and let him expose himself to you again in a new way. 
and it is so hard to do sometimes, but I promise you um, he will continue to show himself. It's just not on our time frame, and it's not, we don't get to write the rules, and I really like to think I know better. You know, like I could tell him a better timeline than myself. Who am I? I don't know. Um, so that's, um, this is not one and done, but instead it's a cycle, and it has to be okay for us to say, hey, I was here, and I'm not anymore, and I have to start over, because there's no shame unless we stay the same, and so these baskets up here are so important, because our families that are fostering, they're going through those moments that I just talked about almost daily. It's amazing how Satan attacks us and makes us doubt, and says, look, he's not even with you. And so when I started texting all the families um, just to ask them, hey, could we bless you with this Thanksgiving meal? Um, I got some amazing responses. And so I want you to know what you're doing is so much bigger. That's God showing up in those moments where we don't see him. It's a bigger deal than what we can explain. So I'll let them kind of speak to, I want to read you their text messages. Okay, so your message isn't about turkey. It's about, it's God saying, I see you, keep going. This family said, oh friend, I was sitting here weeping over this. My friend and I just had lunch yesterday and we were talking about how this life feels so isolating at times and we feel so unseen. Thank you for seeing us. That being said, could I gift mine to my friend? Her husband got laid off, and they're on their end of their rope with one child. I would love to bless them with our basket. And, of course, my response was, no, you have to have your basket, and they can get one too. And so thank you all for giving us enough where I can say, no, you have to keep yours. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, here's another one. If there are extras, we would accept this. But thank you for your gesture. Either way, it means a whole lot. And I insisted again, we have enough. And she said, thank you so much for coordinating. I'm actually deployed, so this meal would be so helpful, helpful for my husband because he just realized we couldn't go to relatives. So here's another one. Yes, actually, we would love this. I am working Thanksgiving, and this will allow my husband to spend time with the kids and not trying to be a cook. <laughs> I know him, and we're all thankful. <laughs> the kids say thank you. Um, what a gift. Last night, my wife and I were talking about how these kids' trauma, oh, about how with these kids' trauma, going with family does not, that doesn't really understand trauma is not an option, and it would be best if we just stayed home and kept it low-key. We both cried because we know it's the best, but we also feel so alone. This morning I got your text. It is truly a blessing. Jesse, this would be so wonderful and such a blessing. We realized we have passed the point of going to relatives, laughing face, crying face. That would be amazing. Literally, I was talking to the Lord about how meals are so helpful, and I just wish I could tell people that's what we need. And then we are sitting here discussing our Thanksgiving plans and just talking about how this life has hidden sacrifices that most people don't know. This text reminds me he knows. And then um, I'm crying over here. This means so much. 
So it's so much more than these turkey baskets. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of a church that does not just abandon people when they're in the middle of things. And um, this is the verse I want to leave you with. In Matthew 25, 35, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Each one of these baskets put together with love. I want to thank the team of people who put these together. And, uh, and there's invitations for breakfast with Santa. So this is the next event that we want to bless these people with. But what, what, this, what each basket represents is the longing inside the home of this mom and dad in their heart to want to reach out to help hurting children. And this just tells them thank you. There's a longing inside each of you for home. There's a longing inside each of you for more of God, for more of what he's called you to. And I can't thank you enough for pouring out the God that's in you into the God that's in these people so that they could pour it into these children who are going to learn about the God who loves them.